Praise God. Verse 31 and 32. I think we're going to finish these two verses finally this week. It's only taken us three weeks to do two verses. <laughs> so, um, uh, Brother Logan, I'm not sure what I would do without you. Amen. So um, we're just going to finish this up. Just a few things I feel like the Lord wants us to touch on. Um, and there are things that um, maybe areas that a lot of people wouldn't like to touch on, but they're in the word of God. So we need to touch on it. Amen. We should not be intimidated or fearful of anything that God says. Um, we may not understand it all, but it's all true. Right. So we can agree. It's true. It's right. Whatever he says. Um, and so it all all scripture, all scripture is profitable. All of it. <laughs> so uh, Matthew chapter five, thirty one through thirty two, it says it has been said, uh, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away. His wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced commits adultery. Um, and uh, I know we went through these scriptures uh, last time, but just to touch on them again, Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, verse 3. And um, I believe it's the kind of the detail of this scripture. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? He answered and said unto them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother, cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh, wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. They say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement to put her away? And he said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, shall marry another, commits adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, does commit adultery. His disciples say unto him, if the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, so we've just been discussing the, um, the value and the importance of marriage. And um, it's the uh, one institution, it's the first institution that God created. Um, and it was before the fall. So it was not as a result of the fall that God says, hey, I think maybe you guys should get married. Um, but it was actually uh, in paradise that God ordained uh, male and female and so um, the enemy, we talked about just how the enemy attacks in so many ways. And so um, I think last time we talked about the issue of divorce that um, in the first century, it was very rampant. Um, divorce was very rampant and the putting away of wives. And so even in the book of Deuteronomy, when um, God gives provision for, because uh, they were like, well, why did Moses say that, you know, we could, you know, give a, a bill or certificate, a certificate of divorcement. And he says, well, God did that because of the hardness of your hearts. And so really what was happening in Deuteronomy because of the status of women in that culture, that men were divorcing their wives for absolutely no reason whatsoever, just, just on whims. Um, but uh, the woman had no recourse. And so uh, she had no way of uh, getting remarried, like they, they weren't working jobs. So if a woman was without a husband, was without a man to cover her, she was destitute. And so God, uh, understanding the wickedness and the hardness of people's hearts, says he made provision for it that, no, you actually have to give her, give her a bill of divorcement so that she can be free to marry someone else. Because otherwise, she's now, um, you've just kind of abused her, used her, and she's like left desolate on her own and can't remarry and be in cov and covered and, and uh, under the covering of a man. And so God provided 
um, he, was, he was working within the confines of the failure of man to uh, organize it in such a way that it, would provide, it was providing uh, protection for those that were uh, being taken advantage of, which was women. And so this is why the Pharisees are saying to him, well, well why were we allowed to do it? You know, why was that okay? And Jesus says, listen, that wasn't, the law was not the righteousness of God. It was, it was a provision that was to keep you until the righteousness came. Uh, that's what it says. The, the law was a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ, to bring you to the fullness. Um, that's Sister Bianca, sorry, I keep touching on it, but she talked about how Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to fill it up, to bring it to its fullness of what it was originally created for. And so that's what Jesus is. And so Jesus is telling us, so the fullness of the law was not, hey, give a bill of divorcement, provide a way. No, the fullness of the law was that in the beginning, he created the male and female, and it's supposed to be for life. And a man is supposed to leave his mother and a father and cleave to his wife. And that word cleave uh, literally means to glue, to be glued to. And so the man was to be glued to his wife. He was to separate from his mother and his father and be glued to his wife. Um, so it wasn't the wife's job to be glued to the man. It was the man's job to be glued to the wife, to cleave to her. Um, and so we talked about how, man, that seems like a weighty thing, but honestly, it's the illustration. Paul says, I'm telling you the mystery. The mystery is actually, I'm speaking of Christ and the church. So the good news for us is that Jesus is glued to the church. He is cleaving to his bride. So everything he commands us to do he's saying because that's who I am that's 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 what this is teaching you and so this is why divorce the Bible says God hates divorce he hates the putting away Malachi he hates it actually let's go there just in case y'all think I'm lying or kind of making it up um let's see it's Malachi I don't have this in my my notes um, uh, bear with me. Uh, Malachi chapter two. Verse number uh, 14. Malachi two fourteen. Yet you say, wherefore, because the Lord has been witness between thee and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously, yet is she your companion and the wife of thy covenant? And did not he make one, yet had he the residue of the spirit? And wherefore one, why one? That he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. He hates it. And we're putting away the same word for divorce. So he, he hates it. Um, and so um, we live in a culture that says it's an option. But God says, I hate it. And so, church, we've got to settle that in our spirit. God hates divorce. Right? He hates the putting away. And so he's given instructions to the man to love his wife as Christ loved the church. Just love them, right? And, and so I think we talked about that last week, that um, man, there's, there's instruction that you're called to love your wives uh, no matter what. Um, because love, the Bible talks about love keeps no record of wrong. <laughs> so the moment you're like, well, this is the fifth time she's done it. That's not love. Right? First Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrong. It's a clean slate. It's the love of God. You say, well, that's impossible. True with man. But with God, nothing is impossible. 
And so he's not calling us into marriages without him. You can't have a godly marriage without God. It's impossible. And so if you enter into marriage and you are not submitted to God, it will fail. And he says, well, we didn't get a divorce. It's still a failure if it's not of God. If it's not of God, it will not produce what he's called it to do. And so uh, we need God to carry out uh, what he has commanded us to do. Um, but so we talked about the husbands and um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23, it begins and it says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Um, so for just a few moments, let's talk a little bit about to the wives. Is that okay, wives? Can we talk to you for a little bit? Um, you're not going to hate me, are you? Because um, we dealt with the husbands, so this is what I'm saying. Right? We dealt with the husbands. So it's not a one-sided thing. We dealt with the husbands. Come on. All right? So you got to take that into account. But there is instruction here to the wives. Um. <laughs> Put that, put that pacifier in her mouth. <laughs> Keep silent. <laughs> um, but the Bible says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. So uh, God's principle is not that women are to submit to men. It's that wives submit to your own husbands. So women are not in subjection to men. Understand that. There's a difference there. Women are not subjugated to men. He's talking about wives. Submit yourselves to your own husbands. Um, you, the one you've entered into covenant with. God now has a covenant expectation for you as a wife to submit to him. And we talked about this in everything. Verse 24 as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything, in everything. Um, so that kind of, I've, I've heard it, I've said it, and people say, well, what if this and what if that? And, 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 and so for me, I'm just, I'm, I try and just stay simple to the word of God, just in everything. Now, what does that look like? What does submission look like? Now, those are the details that you need the Holy Ghost to lead you into, right? Um, because I don't believe the Bible calls you a slave. It doesn't tell us to, um, it's, it's not the same as our obligation to the Lord as far as um, abandonment or obedience, but this word submit is a, it's, it's a combination of two words. It's to be under, but it's to put yourself under. So uh, it's, it's one thing to be under someone, but submission is you're actually putting yourself under. And so God is calling on the wife. You're not under, but he's calling you to put yourself under. He's not calling the man to dominate and put you down. He's calling the wife to say, I'm humbling. I'm submitting. I'm submitting. And so there's power in that. There's power in that because it's a choice. It's a choice. Um, God is not saying submit because you're less than. It's not, you're not equal it's you're doing this for the glory of God. It has nothing to do with the man. It has to do with doing it unto the Lord, unto the Lord. And so this frees you as a wife from judging, I'll say the quality of whether or not you should submit to your husband. 
you're free from worrying about that because who you need to judge worthy is Jesus. If he's worthy, you submit. If Jesus is worthy, you submit. It's not about the husband being worthy. It's not about him treating you right. It's not about him doing things right, saying the right things, making you feel good. It's about unto the Lord. It's about unto the Lord. So let's go to some more scriptures. Is that okay? Y'all don't hate me too much yet. First Peter chapter, first Peter chapter three. First Peter chapter three. First Peter chapter three. Oh, we got to finish quickly. Okay. Um, <clears throat> chapter two, it talks about your chosen generation, royal priesthood. We love it. We shout over that. It's awesome. Um, and then he goes in verse 13 of chapter two, and he's like, submit to every ordinance of man. And then verse chapter three, verse one, likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. So this lets us know he's not saying submit to godly husbands only. Did y'all read that? Right? Because he's saying the example he's using is that they're not obeying the word. But through your submission... Without a word, they can be won by the conduct of the wives. So he's saying, verse 2, let me, let's continue on. Verse 2, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Um, and then we'll just finish this up. Whose adorning, let it not be with the outward adorning of the plating of the hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. And so God is, is telling us something, that through the power of submission, you can change somebody. This is what he literally says. He says, through that, they may, verse 1, they may also without the word be one, by the conversation of the wives. So a wife has an authority to do something in the heart of a man that nothing else can do through submission. See, so when the world nowadays says submission is weakness, God says submission is power. Church, we've got to see submission is power. Because God says it's of great price. When you, are, when you submit yourself, you release God to operate, to move, to do, to step in, to see, to hear. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro over whom he might show himself mighty. Who's he looking for? Those submitted. He gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you. So when you submit, you are humbling yourself and you are attracting the favor of God. You are literally inviting God into the situation. You want God into your marriage, wives? Submit. God will show up. You say, well, what if my husband... Listen... You want God in there. You can be as nice as you want to be to a man. Your niceness can't change a heart. Only God can do that. And God says that when you submit, it releases a power that can change him. I can. And so, obviously, the reason we submit is not, oh, okay, because we're going to see change, but it is a it is a, a, a benefit of God. We submit because Jesus deserves it. You submit because Jesus deserves it, whether he changes or not. But God says that through your submission, it opens the door for him to change, for him to see some things. 
Um, and so wives, you're not called to beat your husband over the head with the word of God. That's what the word says. That's what the word says. Because it says they may be one without the word by your conversation, by your conduct. It says, let your adorning be not the outward, but let there be something on the inside that's so powerful and so real, meek and a quiet spirit that is a, in the sight of God, great price, great price. In our culture today, the enemy wants to make men like women and women like men. God has always wanted there to be a separation. He is not okay with that. He wants men to be men, and he wants women to be women. And church, we don't have to be ashamed of that. The culture is trying to make us ashamed to say things like that, right? The culture is saying, I'm a chauvinist. The culture says that, you know, bigot, mean, old-fashioned, whatever, when we preach the word of God. But we know that in God there's peace, that God's way is not only the right way, it's the best way. It's the way of life. It's the way of victory. And so we have a world that is struggling with divorce, struggling with issues and problems and all sorts of stuff. And they're convinced that they're smarter than God. And God's saying, you need to get back to what I said at the beginning because the principle of God is still true today. It's still true today. And I believe the closer we get to the end, the more he's pointing to the beginning. As we're getting closer to the end, we're seeing God saying, get back to the beginning. Some stuff that he's just allowed, and, and I'm not saying we were, we were wrong or we were wrong, or whatever, but I just, I, I sense it in my spirit. I see what he's doing. And it's this restoration back to some things that maybe the church has gotten away from. Maybe we became real sophisticated and just thought, and, and God's like, no, listen, I need you to really, I need you to obey my word. Like, I'm serious about what I said. And, and so there is, a, there is a soberness that is coming about the word of God. Like, he's not playing with this thing. It's not, a, and, and I've said this before, and, I know it sounds kind of funny. It's not about our happiness. It's about obedience and submission to the will of God. It's about him being manifested and his glory being revealed. It's not about my glory. It's not about what makes me happy. You don't get married to make yourself happy. That's, 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 the, that's the big mistake of our world. That person makes you happy, we'll marry him. Please don't. Don't, do not do that for that. You need to do it because God said this is the one. Because when, when the first marriage, God brought Eve to Adam. And Adam was like, ah, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This is the one. And he knew it. And a matter of fact, when, when, Literally, I'm, I'm saying this, this is, I'm not, literally hell broke loose from their sin. He points at God and he's like, the woman you gave me, she made me. So his testimony was, God, you gave her to me. Um, so you need to make sure God's the one that gives, you to, gives her to you. Um, and the same for a husband. Um, so submission, submission, there's power in submission. We're, we're about done. I just, so um, the Lord brought me to just something else, and it's in First um, Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11. 
and um, verse three um, it says, "But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman." is the man and the head of Christ is God. And so just, just so you know, the Greek language, the word man and woman translated husband, wife. Okay, so it's not the head of women is men. It's the head of wife is the husband. The head of Christ is God. Verse four, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered dishonors his head, but every woman that prays or prophesied with her head uncovered dishonors her head for that is even all one as if she were shaven for if the woman be not covered let her also be shorn but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven let her be covered for a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and the glory of God but the woman is the glory of the man for the man is not of the woman but the woman of the man neither was the man created for the woman but the woman for the man for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judging yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. And so this uh, talking about submission and husbands and wives and just, just, just stuff. Um, the Lord led me here um, to this. And I guess for me, it was just kind of a new connection where uh, I think uh, if you've been around the church any amount of time, you know that we teach uh, that a man is to have short hair or cut hair, you know? And so the, what's the determination of short hair? Being cut, right? That a man should cut his hair um, and that a woman should have long hair. What's the determination of long hair? Uncut, right? So if a man's short hair just means being cut, and a woman's long hair just means being uncut. It's the scriptures. It's not length. It's not two inches, five inches, 20 inches. It's literally cut or not cut. Um, that's the scriptural uh, Greek for the word long hair. Um, but he, this, the actual talk of this was in relation to covering and authority. And so... This piece about hair and the differences between the man and the woman, it has to do with authority. It has to do with submission. And, and so um, I know this is a topic a lot of people don't want to get on because it's controversial, as people would say, it's controversial. And so the question is, well, does a woman have to have a covering over her head? Um, the Bible says, yeah. The woman should. Do y'all see that in the scriptures? And the Bible also says the man is not supposed to have his head covered. Y'all see that scripture? I'm not making that out, right? That's, that's just what the word says. Um, but then he, 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 he relates it because it's not just, and somebody says, well, that's just a cultural thing. But he's relating it to literally divine order. Like, he's saying, because God is the head of Christ, and Christ is the head of man, or the husband, and then the husband is the head of the wife. And because of that divine order, there are certain things, because Christ is my head as the husband, he's my head, he says, you, I can't have my head covered, or else I'm dishonoring Christ. I'm dishonoring the Lord Jesus. That's now. So, so like I say, there's people who say, well, it's not for us. Okay. You can take it. You can take it and say, ignore it if you want to. But that to me, anything that Jesus is saying, it dishonors him. I don't want to do it. 
I think it would behoove us to find out, okay, what is this he's talking about? Um, I think we, we're, da- we're on dangerous territory when we start ignoring things because, well, we've never done that. Well, maybe we should. Uh, maybe we should dig into it. And so this is what I'm saying just about the word of God that I believe that God is bringing some illumination to some things in his word to saying, what's up? Am I God or are you God? Is it your show or is it God's show? Um, Do you believe what I say? You know, is this as important as the other stuff? Like what, how do we reverence the word of God? And so, there needs to be a fear of reverence for God's word. I says, Lord, reveal this to me. And so it's, it's, it's deep. I don't believe anything that God does is extra. I don't believe he, he just throws stuff in just because he's like, I want to fill up the words on a page and make the book so big. No, I believe everything, there's something to it. But as you follow this along, he brings in angels. He's like, the woman, the covering of her head has to do with angels. Guys, there's angelic stuff that's happening simply because of obedience to covering. So, so we can, so, so, okay, is, is the scripture, is this verse of scripture telling us that the woman has to have, you know, so we say a a covering, right? So scripturally, the, I believe this scripture is saying pretty clearly The wife has to have a covering on her head. And the husband cannot have a covering on his head. Now the question goes, now what is that covering? Right? That's that I would hope that would be the natural question. Would be what is that covering? Some people might say, I don't care. (laughs) Or I don't receive. I don't believe that. Okay. I'm not talking to you today. But for those that would say, well, then what is the covering? So Let's look at it. Does the, does the scripture answer that? It says, verse 15, for her hair is given her for a covering. So the hair is given by God as a covering over the head of a woman, over the head of a wife. And so literally he talks about, right, he's, he's going back about nature. And he's like, listen, this is not just a, this is not just a cultural thing. Because nature itself teaches you that if a man has long hair, it's a shame. And if a woman shaves her head, it's a shame for her. Like, that's just natural. That's not even, you know, we have to have biblical knowledge. It's just, we understand that. And so he's relating that to this, that this is a principle of God that we need to receive. And so the hair, the long hair is given as a covering um, for the woman, um, and, and so for the man to not have his head covered. So now, so let me give you just a little bit of history here. Um, because what was happening is in the Roman culture, and I didn't know this, I learned, I I learned this, that in Roman culture, men would, they had togas and they would wrap it over their head when they would go in to offer sacrifices to their false gods. And so they literally, the men would cover their heads, cover themselves with kind of just a, a, a covering. Um, and that's how they did their worship. That's how they did their worship. Um, and so then also you've probably heard about Corinth that kind of in that culture to not have a veil on was a representation. It was saying something. Like a woman was, was kind of making a statement about her life by not having a veil on her head um, about she's available, um, she's open, not submitted, not attached, whatever it might be. Um, and so, so anyways, I'm, I'm trying not to be so long. I'm already well over time. I'm sorry. But there's, there's something here, and... and we just, we're probably not going to have time to fully finish it tonight. We'll do it another time. I'm not going to do it next week. Don't worry about it. Um, but this issue of hair, and, and so um, 
Because the Bible says the woman's hair is given for a covering. It's given for a covering. The uncut hair is given for a covering. Um, and it talks about it's she covers her head because the husband is her head. But the man uncovers his head because Christ is his head. And so, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm taking too long for, with this to try and explain it. I, I, I'm not doing good with my words tonight. It's, it's fascinating. So let's, let's start with the other one. God is the head of Christ. Did y'all see that in there? Right? So y'all oneness believers, don't lose your mind. It's okay. We can, we can quote what the scripture says. God is the head of Christ. What does that mean? It, it goes on further where it talks about the image and the glory of. Right? So the head has an image and a glory that is expressed through what they're covering. So God's full expression is in Jesus. Understand that? Jesus is the image and the glory of the invisible God. Amen? But now he's saying now through marriage, because we're talking about marriage here and he's talking about husbands. The husband in the relationship of the wife is the image and the expression of Jesus. Amen? The image and the glory and the expression of Jesus in that marriage covenant. But the wife is the image and the expression of the glory of the man, of the husband and the marriage covenant. And I'm sorry, I, I, I talked about this with my wife. She's heard a lot of it. But it, was just, it just kind of blew my mind because so, and he talks about for the man, it was our, the image of Jesus Christ was love, right? It's, 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 it's a, it's a action. It's how we're to love and do and be. And so it's not necessarily in looks, man, right? So it's not like, well, Jesus wore a green shirt, right? It's, he loved. And so the image of Jesus is we love our wives but man we we are sorry I'm trying to describe Lord help me we're we're a physical being right but out of that God has brought beauty and so the woman the wife represents the beauty and the image and the glory of 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 man hopefully I mean this so your wife, so as I love my wife, as I cover her and, and every, what people see is the beauty of, of me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this right. I'm not beautiful to look at, right? And, but, but the wife is, is called to manifest the glory and the beauty of, of her husband of who he is and and the love that he is showing and and just all of that and so through submission through quiet and meekness and holiness and not the outward braiding of hair and the apparel and the flashiness of the world and looking like the world but expressing a beauty in the physical sense like that we can see physically Right. And so this is why modesty is such an issue for women and not so much for men. I've heard it said, well, why when we talk about modesty, is it always addressing women? Because you are the image and the glory of man. That physical thing to look at, to express God in a physical, the glory of God in a physical way through the flow of God, Christ, man, woman. And so our women, through people's eyes, can see God's glory through how you look. I'm hoping I made sense of that. So woman, your outward appearance can literally manifest the glory of God. 
This is why how you dress, what you wear, your hair, it matters. Because you are manifesting God flowing through Christ, through the man, through you, into the physical for the world to see. So me, right, people not going to look at my physical being and say, oh, I see God. Yeah, Brother Travis, I see God in your, in your nautica shirt and the, and the way you wear your beard. And No, no, no. They're going to see it in, in, your, in your love, in your surrender and sacrifice and lifting up holy hands without wrath, without doubting. As a man, your character, your, your, your willingness to, to love and to give of yourself and not be self-centered. That's how people will see God, right? But ladies, you have been given something on top of that. Because yes, it's through your meek, quiet spirit. But your physical appearance also is given to manifest God's glory. And you need to recognize you've been given that. You need to recognize you've been given that. Don't take that lightly. Don't throw that away. Don't throw that away. Uh, and so your modest apparel can manifest God. Your uncut hair can manifest God. Somebody says, well, it really doesn't matter. Who's telling you that it doesn't matter? Is that coming from the Holy Ghost? Or is that coming from kind of the spirit of this world? That wants to just kind of shave off the corners of everything godly and just kind of make it not so rigid. And, and so I, I say this that, like I said, I'm, I'm, I know I took a little bit long with this, but there's something here that is just, he's just kind of shown it to me. And it's like, wait a second. This, this is why, right, most um, ads for, for physical appearance, for weight loss, for things looking at beauty, right? Why is the whole makeup industry geared towards women and not towards men? Men, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying men. Because that look piece, that physical piece for us is not a, not a big deal for us as men. Because that hasn't been given to us by God. Right? And so it's through the physical, partly through the physical of women, that God's glory and his beauty can be manifested. But or the ugliness of sin and, and, and the misrepresentation of Jesus. I hope, I'm, I hope it's making sense. Um, and so, ladies, you are in a battle. You're in a battle, a spiritual battle, for you not to represent God in your physical appearance. The enemy wants you to give that part of your ministry up. He wants you to release it and say it doesn't matter. And I just I want to stand on the word of God and say it does matter. Now, whether you agree, disagree, or, oh, I don't have to do all that, okay. But I, I pray you can at least acknowledge that the way you look plays a part in manifesting God or not. The Bible throughout talks about putting on the clothing of a harlot, dressing, um, so many things. And so... Listen, he's, I don't believe he's having me sh uh, sh talk about this because it's an issue, it's a problem. But I believe he wants to encourage somebody. He wants to encourage you that your submission, because this is what it says, having that covering, it's acknowledging the submission that's happening on the inside. So your physical is a designation of what's happening on the inside.
right? So we, we've said it before. Yeah, the, the inside matters. You need to be submitted in your heart. But the outside matters too. Because that's part of submission, according to the word of God. And I can dishonor my head. You can dishonor your head by what you do in the physical. So, same for me. If I go from now until kingdom come without cutting my hair, as a man, I am dishonoring Christ. I'm dishonoring Christ. I'm just saying that's what the scriptures tell me. But, um, and so I honor him by the cutting of my hair. But there's a, there's a physical beauty in women. I, and so, praise God. I'm sorry, I got to bring this back together. But this is why the enemy has corrupted that in such a way and why so many men struggle with pornography. Sorry, the late the children just came back in here. It's okay. Because that physical part, it matters. It matters. God created women to be beautiful to look at. You say, well, that's just, you're being carnal, preacher. No, it's the truth of God's word. God cares about beauty. He does. He cares about the way things look. He really does. Who determines what's beautiful to you, ladies? Is it the world? Has the world told you what's pretty? Or are you allowing God to establish what's pretty, what's beautiful to him? Because, right, women say, I want to, Ladies, I want to look nice. For who? Who determines that? I know this is kind of stuff, but um, if we don't talk about it, I know the world is talking about it. And the enemy has taken this territory for too long. Um, where our ladies, makes our ladies feel shame, make you feel ugly, make you feel like you need to uh, mascara up, you need to paint it, you need to show it, you need to flaunt it, you need to wear it tight, all that stuff. And God is saying, no, there's a beauty in modesty. There's a beauty in looking like a woman. Don't try and look like a man. Look like a woman. Because he's made the woman Beautiful. Beautiful. And, oh, Jesus, okay. <clears throat> there are parts of the woman that are made beautiful and attractive, but they are only for her husband to see. They were purposely made in a way that would attract the husband to it. It's beautiful. But the enemy wants you to show it to others who aren't supposed to be looking at it. Because he knows the power of it. And so I've heard it said, says, well, if they look, that's their problem. True. But are you dishonoring your head? Are you dishonoring your head? Are you uncovered? when you should be covered. And so, um, ladies, you have power. You have a lot of power. When our, young, when our ladies submit, it can change men's hearts. When ladies don't submit, you can create Ahab's. You can have Adam disobeying the voice of God that he heard every day, walking with him. There's power. Ladies, you have power. God's given you authority. Use it for the glory of God. 
Amen? Use it for the glory of God. And so, um, and then there's a scripture that talks about the elder women need to teach the younger women some stuff. There's some things that me as a man, I can't teach y'all ladies. I'm not called to. You need to learn it from some other ladies. And men, there's some stuff that we as men, we need to get from other men. That's why we need both. We need it. But um, we need some of the mothers in the church to talk to. I'm not saying specifically here, but you young ladies, you need to listen to the voice of the elders. You need to heed the voice of the elders. Oh, let me look at, let me look at the young ladies right there. Put them on the spot again. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So you have some, some elder ladies that'll, that can teach you. Don't follow the world. Because there's ladies out there that want to teach you themselves. I'm going to just name one. I don't know why her name came to my mind. Beyonce. But they're loud, they're brash. They want to teach our ladies what it means to be a lady. And that's not it. So we need, <clears throat> we need this instruction in this hour. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? Y'all are awesome. You know, I say this. I don't, I don't ever try and be long just to be long. Um, but I do want to be obedient to God. And um, there's some stuff in the scriptures that's hard to swallow. That's what Peter said about Paul. He said some of his teaching, man, is, is hard. It's like, oh. But, he said, and some people twist it. They twist it and stuff, but it's to their own destruction. So we got to rightly divide the word of God. Amen. And, um, and so there's a, there's a beauty in it. There's a beauty in it um, that I just, I want to bring out. I want to see everything that God has for me. Amen. Amen. And so it's not, you know, we're not <clears throat> sitting here and because the Bible says, the, the letter kills, but the spirit brings life, right? So the letter kills. And so if this is not received through the spirit of God, through a submission and a love for the word of God and a love for Jesus Christ, it's going to kill you, <laughs> right? It's going to kill you. It's not going to produce anything. But if you love the Lord and you'll pray and allow him to speak to you and whatever that is, praise God and walk it out by faith. It's all good. Amen. If you have any questions, please come see me. Let's talk. Amen. It's okay? We're all right? Praise God. Okay. Let's lift our hands right now unto the Lord. Father, um,